Hi, welcome to the Zantaler Podcast. This podcast is brought to you by BJU Press Homeschool. Homeschooling is an exciting adventure we take with our children. One of the most challenging parts of this journey is choosing the curriculum you want to use. BJU Press Homeschool is a curriculum you can trust. All the books, resources, and videos have been designed with you and your child in mind. Their curriculum is educationally robust and rich, taking into account that children have different learning styles, strengths, and needs. Mom, you are in charge. BJU Press Homeschool is here to come alongside and support you. Do you need help with the teaching load, or is there a subject you just don't want to teach? Their amazing video courses are available for all grades and almost every subject. BJU Press Homeschool believes that homeschooling can produce a new generation of students who know God, love their neighbors, and stand firm in their faith. For more information, go to BJUPressHomeschool.com. That's BJUPressHomeschool.com. Today I'm doing something a little different on the podcast. The conversation you are about to hear was originally recorded and broadcast live for the 2023 Homegrown Generation Family Expo, hosted by Yvette Hampton of the Schoolhouse Rocked podcast. You can register for lifetime access to the conference at homegrowngeneration.com. Use the coupon ZAN, Z-A-N, to save 25% of registration, which includes lifetime access to all of the sessions from the 2023 conference and bonus access to the 2020 conference over 55 hours of homeschooling encouragement and resources. So please enjoy my conversation with Yvette. Good morning, everyone. This is Yvette Hampton, and I am so glad you are back with us for another session of the Homegrown Generation Family Expo. I have one of my favorite people in the whole world here. Her name is Zan Tyler. And for those who are not familiar with her, you are going to be so encouraged and so blessed by her. Uh, over this next hour. Zan Tyler, I am so excited to have you with me here today, and I'm so excited to be talking about what we're going to talk about over the next hour. We're going to talk about a God-centered revival that begins in our homes and in our living rooms. And so introduce yourself to us, tell us who you are, what you do, and then we're going to get into our conversation. Okay. Well, the most important thing about me is that I'm the wife of Joe, mother of three, and a grandmom of eight, eight, with it keeps multiplying. (laughs) And um, so that's fabulous. We homeschooled for 21 years. Uh, When I started homeschooling, this is part of my story I won't get into a lot. I was threatened with jail by the state superintendent of education. And so I spent eight years uh, with my family lobbying and fighting in court with HSLDA, trying to find a good solution for homeschooling in South Carolina, which we did. And so it's now a a great place to homeschool. But homeschooling has been quite a journey. I do a lot of uh, work now with BJU Press Homeschool. So um, they sponsor me to speak and write. And and, um, it's been been very exciting. Yeah, yeah. And BJU Press Homeschool is one of our premier sponsors for this event. So let's kind of dig into this topic because I know, man, Zan, you know having homeschooled your kids and now having grandkids and being in the homeschool world, it is so overwhelming to try to do all the things. And you and I have talked before on the Schoolhouse Talked podcast about casting a vision for our homeschool. And I think that's such an important thing. And maybe we could talk a little bit about that today. But everybody is looking for revival of some sort. So talk to us about this. How do we balance all the things that we have to do and at the same time, help bring revival. 
Well, you know, I think one of the things we need to realize is our why of homeschooling. And I don't say that glibly because when I started homeschooling, I was like a lot of COVID homeschool moms today. My vision for homeschooling was to get time through. We were holding him back a year so he would be ready for first grade. And that really was the reason I was homeschooling. And then we got hit with um, being threatened with jail and just all the drama and trauma that came with that. And I got a call out of the blue one day from a woman at um, Columbia International University. It was NCBC. She had her, her PhD in education and had just gone there to oversee their education department uh, in the college and the university. So she called me up and she said, Zan, I would love to take you to dinner. I've heard about you. I just have a few things I want to say to you. And so she took me to this. She had been on the mission field. I mean, she had this PhD, but she'd been serving on the mission field. She had no money. She takes me to this little Italian restaurant where the candle, the wax is dripping down the candle, you know, and she holds my hand and she said, I keep hearing your story. I don't know how she heard because nobody really knew my story then except for that I was a troublemaker. Um, (laughs) And she said, I keep hearing your story and I just want to tell you that God is in this. Homeschooling is bigger than you are and he's got this and he's got you. And, you know, it was the very first time since I've heard, I mean, I, I had this sense that God was calling me to homeschool. Sometimes I was thinking it was an overactive imagination on my part because we knew nobody in the world who homeschooled. There were no support groups or state groups or Internet. There was no place to go to hell. And so, you know, I just I was this extrovert alone on this homeschool island. And so when Lorene took just a minute to speak that into my heart it changed my life. Just like, was that a full-blown vision that I have now of homeschooling as a revival movement, educationally, spiritually for the family? Absolutely not. But it was all I needed at the time. So, so I really have a heart for people coming into the movement new. Don't give up when things get hard, when the mundane seems to overtake the eternal. Because what you're doing in your home, raising your kids, serving them, um, teaching them to serve others. That is all important kingdom work. Important, yeah. important kingdom work. Can go we ahead. can we park there for just a second? Sure. Because you talked about the why, and I don't know if you were going to go down this road. But yes, yes. You, you talked about the why of homeschooling and about, uh, you know, your decision to homeschool back then. And I think today so many, because we have so many COVID homeschoolers, right? People who right, brought right. their kids home uh-huh. because they were forced to and realized, oh, this is different than I thought. Yes. I actually can do this. But one of the things that I see happening is that it used to be years ago that homeschool parents were running to something. Now we have a lot of homeschool parents who are running away from something. They're running away from the public schools because they're, they know that they're not best. Right. But they right. haven't quite figured out what they're running to. You know, Can you okay. talk on that for a second? Yeah, let me just say this. This is what I think. I think a lot of us, including me, ran from bad circumstances into homeschooling. And as we get there, the Lord through other people and resources and everything else is really so kind and caring to cultivate our hearts and show us that running from is not enough. Like Christian had to be not just running from life without God. You know, he was he was worried about damnation. I mean, it says it just right there in Pilgrim's Progress. And he's got this burden in his heart now, and he's got to get to the celestial city. But first he was running because he was scared. Then he gets his eyes focused, 
and he starts running towards something. And it's a process. So I've got, if you don't mind, I'd like to tell a short story that I think really um, simplifies this whole idea of having a vision and how small it can start out and how big it can grow. So I just want to start out by telling um, our moms and dads out there about a, a trip Joe and I took to Russia in 2018. It was the Global Home Education Conference, and I was speaking. And uh, I had one of the most moving moments I've ever had at a conference since we started homeschooling. So this is Russia. So, of course, this would not happen today. This was four years ago, five years ago. Um, and Father Dimitri, he was, um, in, he was a priest, stands up. He's in his 80s. He can hardly stand. And he talks about what it was like to live in Russia during the communist rule and reign. He, he saw or witnessed, not personally, but during that time period, 85,000 priests killed. 29,000 churches were decimated with 500 left. Millions of Christians killed. Millions of people in academia killed. If you weren't with the Communist Party, you were dead. You were, you were virtually signing your own warrant. And he talked about how communism destroyed the family and the church, the Russian culture, the heart of the culture. Um, Joe and I saw this because we took a tour of one of the bigger cities and we saw the factories, the, you know, kind of the burnout factories at this point in time with apartment complexes around them where the Russian women families would drop off their kids um, in daycare. And which were in, usually in the apartment complexes, and then go into the factories and spend all day. I mean, there was no family life. Those kids were the mere creature of the state. And so he just talked about how devastating this was. And he makes this comment, and he says, um, he says, I'm going to spend all the years I have left advocating for homeschooling because homeschooling builds strong families, which builds strong cultures. That was so instructive to me. I've thought about that so much since that moment. He has since then died and passed away. And, um, and, but I've thought about that. In that Russian culture, Solzhenitsyn, I'm, I'm going to make this really brief, was, um, grew up uh, between 1918 and 2008. It gives us a context for where we're living today, which is why I love to share these stories. He said when he was a young boy and they were, he was with the elders in the community and they were talking about what was wrong with the Russian culture, he said, they said, in a few words, we have forgotten God. Fifty years later, after researching this topic for 50 years and receiving the Templeton Award for Religion, um, he said, you know, all I can say is we have forgotten God. I can't improve on that sentiment. And he talks about, I just have to read you this quote because of your T-shirt. He said that the, the hatred of God is the principal driving force behind communism, the leftist radical politics. It's not politics or economics. It's the hatred of God. And then he said, communism needs a country to be devoid of religious and national feeling in order to control it. And that's what happened in Russia. And he said, we've forgotten God. So to me, as we're looking at homeschooling, there's two types of people. The person who remembers God and calls on him and seeks to know him and the person who has forgotten God. 
makes it real simple. There are two types of education, the type of education that urges your child toward God and the type of education that urges your child away from God. And so if we look at it as homeschooling is urging us to urge our children toward God through our educational choices, it makes it simple. It means we don't have to have all the answers right now. We've got to have the right heart. And and then God, he's the superintendent, I think he's the greatest superintendent of education. He begins to put flesh on the bones of the skeleton. And um, so I think if we can remember our greatest purpose is to urge children in everything they do towards God. It doesn't mean you don't have fun as a family. It just means you're God-centered. And be, by being God-centered, remembering God is the antithesis of what destroyed the Russian culture, which was forgetting God. For the first time, we're living in a culture that is wholesale for, for forgetting God. If you look at our entire history as a country. So I just think homeschooling is so powerful because the number one thing you're teaching your child is a very simple lesson. God is, we're made in his image, and we were called to love him. I mean, we're just urging our kids toward God. I just think that is a really, really powerful, simple lesson. Yeah. Well, let's let's dig deeper into that. Okay. How do we practically do that? How do we practically urge our children towards a relationship with the Lord. Okay. All right. Let me ask you this. Would you mind? So we were going to talk about three ways that homeschooling is a revival movement. Yeah. I believe it's a a revival movement educationally for the family and spiritually. So if I could have just a second to talk about why I think homeschooling is a revival movement educationally, I think this begins to, to flesh out our vision because we've already given ourselves this big framework of we are going to provide an education for our children that urges us toward God. But, you know, we could not be homeschooling parents if homeschooling didn't work. But we see homeschooling working educationally. We see, uh, if you look at our test scores, nationally normed test scores, we're scoring as a community 76 percentile and above. We've moved the bell curve over a quartile, which is such a significant statistics. We have employers that are um, that are reaching out to homeschooling the military colleges because these kids are full uh, that are homeschooled are full of intellectual vitality. They're not being burned out. They have an unusual measure of leadership from being raised in the home, which, by the way, college admissions people cannot figure out how kids who have grown up with their moms basically exercise all this leadership on their campus. Uh, You know, it's an education that you tailor towards your children. As you study your children, you learn their learning styles, you learn their spiritual gifts, you learn their personalities. I mean, it's pretty amazing what can happen in our home because homeschooling is working. People are flocking to it. If it didn't work as much as we loved Christ and wanted our kids to love Christ, we couldn't educate our kids this way. But because it's so powerful, we can. And so I think as homeschooling has grown, thankfully, from when I was a homeschool mom to a revival movement, now we have, a. a, I think, here's where my mind goes. What if COVID had happened in the 1980s? It would have been a disaster. God, here we have God's timing 
We have COVID now. We have an infrastructure. We have state organizations and co-ops and national organizations like HSLDA that can help parents learn how to homeschool. We have Christian resources with a biblical worldview, which is what I love about the BJU Press curriculum, that is the expert when the parent doesn't know how to be the expert. We have co-ops that help with teaching and videos that help with teaching. Because homeschooling has done so well and the kids have done so well and the aggregate scores are so high, we we have this amazing way to educate our, our kids while we're still urging our kids toward God. We don't have to embrace a secular model to homeschool our kids. Um, so we can we can unpack that all you want. But I wanted to mention that because sometimes I think, you know, in, and I'm not talking about PhDs who are educating their kids. I'm talking about moms with GEDs and high school diplomas and college. Diplomas. I mean, we we run the whole gamut. And the thing that is the motivating factor is, is as one um, superintendent of education told me is, it seems like these moms will do anything they have to do to learn how to teach their kids what they need to know. I mean, you know, it's powerful. Did you ever did you ever have any teachers that laid awake and cried over you at night because <laughs> you didn't get a geometry concept or your character issues were coming to the surface? I mean, not one. <laughs> you know, we, we lay awake and cry over our kids at night and pray over them yeah. because we love them. We want them to master a subject because we love them. We want to know their interest in their learning style so we can give them an education that fits them and they'll love education. But all the while, the driving force behind them is having an educational philosophy that urges them toward God. And I just think it's so, so powerful. I don't know if that answers your question at all, but I <laughs> love homeschooling. Yeah, I, I know. And you're so good at it, too. You're so good at bringing the encouragement. Let's talk then about spiritual revival okay. as a result of homeschooling specifically. Okay. okay. All right. I want to. I, so I've taken all these strength finder tests and all these other things. One of the things I found out I love is context. So I love to give context. And I want to read you these slides because this is really a powerful, powerful concept. This is what Harvard University was founded on in 1646, and I think it's something like 90% of the colleges founded in the colonial era were based on, uh, on Christian principles. So here is this, let every student be plainly instructed and earnestly pressed to consider well the main end of his life and studies is to know God in Christ Jesus, which is eternal life, and therefore lay Christ at the bottom as the only foundation of all sound knowledge and learning. I mean, how, that's Harvard. How powerful is that? I always tell people, if you need a philosophy of education, go no further. You know, the words are archaic in, by our standards, but the principles are so powerful. Um, and so we move forward a little further. In 1828, Noah Webster writes his dictionary. Now, Noah Webster, I'd love to talk to him. I can talk about him for an hour. He was um, raised in a Christian home. He actually became a Christian during one of the Jonathan Edward revivals as an older man. But in the process, he had become fluent in 28 languages and wrote the first um, American dictionary, which separated us from, our, from England and the rest of progressive society and education in Europe. 
And so 70,000 of his words have a biblical etymology or origin, and it's powerful. And so here he now, we're, we're in 1828, and he says this, this educated man, to give children a good education in manners, arts, and science is important. To give them a religious education, and he's talking about Christianity there, is indispensable. An immense responsibility rests on parents and guardians who neglect these duties. So he's seeing a need to sound the warning bell just a little bit. You know, back in the colonial days, education and Christianity really had a nice marriage. They were not the enemy of each other. Science was not the enemy of education. Uh, uh, and uh, uh, science was not edu- the enemy of Christianity. And Christianity embraced science. And we still do embrace good science. Then we move to um, the mid or mid-20th century. C.S. Lewis says this, education without religion, as useful as it seems, seems rather to make man a more clever, clever devil. And so, you know, it's, it's interesting because we see this kind of devolution of our society and culture, and, and Christianity is no longer married to education like in the same way as it was in that colonial era. And so, to me, I kept asking myself, what, you know, Lord, what is the hope? Then Elizabeth Smith, who was the president of um, a wife of President Mike Smith at HSLDA, who recently retired, called me up and said, hey, Sam, will you come spend a couple of days with me? I want to talk to you about homeschooling as a revival movement. And I thought, "Okay, but I'm not sure I agree with you, Elizabeth. This is in the 1990s. And, you know, all of us want to think we are where God is moving. And I thought, is this honest? And so she she sent me back with all kinds of research to do. In the middle of this, this pastor who had his Ph.D. and had studied all of the worldwide revivals came to our church and spoke. He was also the vice president of Evangelism Explosion International. So this man had an international scope on revival. So after he left our church, I emailed him and I said, Dr. Parrish, do you think it's honest to say that homeschooling is a revival movement? And he said, Sam, he wrote me back and he said, Sam, what was the Puritan verse for revival? I didn't know. I didn't have a clue. And I loved the Puritans. I had read a lot of Puritan literature. And he said, the Puritan verse for revival is Malachi 4.6. He will turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the hearts of the children to their fathers. And therefore, homeschooling is a revival movement. And so to me, you know, it just... It just hits all the chords because we we see that educationalists revitalized because we're urging our kids toward God. That's the main revitalization, the main revival, but also because we're employing really innovative teaching tools as we tailor an education to our kids. We see that the family is revitalized, which is powerful. The hearts of the kids are turned toward the fathers and the fathers hearts are turned turn toward their kids, that's a mark of revival. And, and then I think we see because we can go back to where our founding fathers started as laying Christ as the foundation of all education, the word is the foundation of all education, then in our homes, we can have that powerful education that was possible in the 1600s in the 21st century in our homes. The kids' education doesn't suffer. It's actually prospering because they're being homeschooled. Um, Their faith isn't suffering. 
it's growing. And now the family is growing stronger and the kids' spiritual lives are going stronger. And just the reason I say that we urge our, it's an education that urges our kids toward God is because we don't give faith. You know, faith is a gift from God, lest no man should boast. But we can do the things that urge them to seek God, that urge them to love God, that urge them to know his word. And so to me, homeschooling is just this remarkable um, equation that provides that fodder or that fuel or that, you know, the if you've ever built a bonfire, that 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 basic foundation of what's going to explode, you know, into a revival movement in so many areas. Yeah. Oh, such good stuff, Zan. I mean, it really does begin in our homes. Yes. And I love that verse, that Malachi 4, 6, you know, really it is about turning the hearts of children to their fathers because they have been turned away. You look at the traditional school system and families have been pulled apart intentionally. They've been pulled apart. You know, parents don't need to have that authority in their kids' lives. Parents have no business homeschooling their kids. Parents have no business telling their kids how they should grow up and who they should even be, you know, goodness gracious, don't call your little girl a girl or your little boy a boy if they want to be something else. Like we as parents have no right to tell them that, right? I mean, that's what the school system is saying. But God's word says something completely contrary to that. And that's really what it comes down to is that the public school system is teaching our kids everything contrary to the truth of God's word and is turning children's hearts away from their parents. I've seen it even in, in, um, different parts of the curriculum that's being taught in public schools, they are in very intentionally attacking the family, attacking sibling relationships, parental relationships, and parental authority. And instead, we're saying with homeschooling, no, 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 the word of God says that we are to bring the kids back in under the umbrella of our love and care and affection as parents and turn their hearts towards us because we're going to turn our hearts back towards our kids, right? And, you know, even um, I know some Christian public school teachers who would never do anything to destroy a child's faith. But the truth is the overall push, the overall urge in um, public schools today is to push kids away from God rather than towards God. So we, you know, I just think it makes it so clear that we just, everything we do with our children, we're urging them toward their father, toward their creator, toward their savior, toward his word. And, you know, it just gives us a, a, a great, great life. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, so let's go circle kind of back around to my question before where I was saying, how do we, we urge our kids to a relationship with God? Let's talk about how to very practically do that. Okay. Um, kind of on a day-to-day basis because, and, and I know you probably have more to talk about on revival, but since we're still no, on no, this no. topic. I think, I, think that's, um, I think that's great. So, you know, I think um, when, I think we forget how powerful the Word of God is. But when the Word of God was the foundation of education, it was amazing. I mean, George Washington Carver heard a verse from Romans when he was standing outside of a church listening to a, a pastor preach about grafting in, you know, when the when the the Gentiles were grafted into the tree which had normally belonged to the Jews. 
And that's what got him interested in grafting. Now, that can seem like a far stretch for people, but when the Word of God is present and His Holy Spirit is active in our homes, I just think, I mean, it, it is so powerful. We don't, I mean, I certainly wasn't a perfect parent. I certainly wasn't a perfect homeschool mom. And as much as I love my kids, you know, they're not perfect either. And so our goal wasn't perfection. Our goal was to love each other and to love learning. Um, when it comes to learning, and, and, you know, let me just say this. If you, I really think the curriculum you choose is very, very important. And Agreed. the context contact the context and the basis of that Christian uh, that curriculum I mean I will down the hill for the freedom to use a biblically based or a Christian curriculum because as a matter of fact the first time the pub, the um, South Carolina Department of Education held a hearing to enforce real strict re- regulations the two things they wanted was that teachers be certain that teachers have that homeschool teachers have a college degree that's the baseline and that they uh, that homeschoolers only use state approved text. And so to me and and I just know the power of this. I mean, I I grew up in the church. Our home was not one. I mean, I loved my parents, but we did not talk about biblical things or God during the week. I mean, we went to church um and and but we didn't it wasn't a daily thing that we discussed. And uh, but you know, it, it's just interesting to me and and I, I became a real serious student i think i heard Garrett, Garrett talk about this yesterday of reading my bible in high school and college and yet i hadn't i wasn't studying the whole counsel of god there were so many things i didn't know i didn't understand what a biblical worldview was i feel like after i heard the francis schaefer series on how shall we then live i had to retrain my brain and rethink everything i had ever learned but as I started homeschooling my kids, an interesting thing happened because BJU Press was one of the very few curriculum that was that companies that were selling to homeschoolers. So I'm in the second grade. I mean, I'm in the second grade. I felt like I was in the second grade. I feel like I was in the third grade and the 12th grade. Um, but I'm reading these stories with my kids, and one was about the story of Esther. And do you know that was the first time I had ever read the story of Esther was through this curriculum? And so what if we use a curriculum that teaches that God is neutral? I mean, let's forget the hostile part. Let's say God is neutral. He's not involved in solving daily conflicts. He's not involved in history. He's not involved in science. Then our kids are going to grow up thinking God is irrelevant. I mean, they may not hate him. They just think he's irrelevant for all of life. You know, all of the important things in life, life this Monday through Saturday. And so I, I just think we need to um, to really take stock. I got to tell you about a homeschool mom I met named Annie. So I met Annie at the Iowa Day at the Dome or Capital Day. I was speaking there. She was a new homeschool mom. She said, Sam, I got to tell you my story. And she gave me permission to tell it. So she was a COVID, she was a COVID mom. She and her husband had her kids in church every Sunday and every Wednesday they were in a school district they trusted. She had no desire to homeschool until she started listening to the internet classes, the virtual classes, and she thought, huh, this district is teaching things. I didn't think they were teaching my kids. I don't think I like this. And so they decided, rather than doing the virtual school that year to homeschool, I think it was the one-year commitment. 
she said, well, some interesting things started to happen. We used a Christian curriculum. She said, and it's interesting, she said it was something I found or borrowed. I can't remember exactly, but she said, it's not the greatest curriculum, but let me tell you what was happening to my kids. She said, first of all, my nine-year-old daughter, whom I had thought was dyslexic since the first grade, I took to a specialist. And he said, well, you know, she is dyslexic. It would have helped if you had brought her in, you know, three or four years ago. And she said, well, I asked her first grade teacher and second grade teacher and third grade teacher all to test her. And they all said, oh, she'll outgrow it. And so she, she said, now that I'm in charge and the teacher, I find out she really is dyslexic and needs help and counsel, you know, educational therapy. So then she said, the second thing that happened is I realized they were teaching things that I didn't trust and I couldn't put them back in. But she said the coup de grace was when her 11-year-old ADH son sat her down one day. Now, this is the kid who's grown up in the church several times a week and says, Mommy, did you know that God is in everything? God is in science. God is in history. God is in my reading book. I didn't know that till this year. And I'm thinking, whoa, the the context of our, our education, where it happens in our home with loving parents is so important. The content of the education is also equally important. Yeah, yeah that is so important. Curriculum really, really does matter because education is not neutral. It never has been. It never will be. It is always teaching a worldview of some sort. That's right. And so if it's not teaching a biblical worldview, it is teaching a an unbiblical worldview. And so so let's park there for just a minute. Talk about a biblical worldview. And this is one of the things that I will tell you, you know, that we use all sorts of different um, curricula for our kids. We're pretty eclectic. Um, but we have used BJU Press. And one of the things that is so impressive to me about them, as well as so many others that we use, is that they are so intentional about everything that they teach. They back it up with scripture. They don't just say, this is what I believe, you know, the person who's writing it, you know, this is what I believe to be true. It's no, no, no. We're going to write this curriculum and then we're going to compare it with scripture. We're going to use scripture to write it so that our kids are constantly getting that biblical worldview. So talk about that just for a minute as a whole. Like what what does a biblical worldview look like? When what what should parents look for when they're looking for a curriculum with a biblical worldview? What should they look for in it? Well, you know, here is what I was I would look for. I mean, I would look for material that's engaging, um, material where you can, you know, sort of riff uh, and and take off in a direction with a child. You can pay attention to their learning styles, and we can talk about that in a minute. And uh, but. It's also because BJU Press, it, they, ha- they do what they call biblical worldview weaving, um, where they weave the scripture. All. It's not like a Bible verse tacked onto a thought, but it's really what does scripture say about this subject? I mean, I was a, I was a young mom when I understood for the first time that there was a biblical worldview for economics and history and science. I mean, I learned that from Francis Schaeffer. I had no idea. I mean, I, I sat in this video course and my pastor was moderating and and somebody says economics has a biblical worldview. Well, I was an economics major in college and I'm thinking, no, it doesn't because I grew up in the church. I've been reading my Bible now seriously for seven years. Somebody would have told me 
if there was a biblical worldview. And so I think we need to understand as parents, because we're teaching that every subject has a biblical basis and a biblical worldview to it. So the beauty of something like BJU Press is if you don't know those things already, the curriculum becomes the expert for you. And the teacher's manual will have ideas. I mean, you might look at this page and say, I want to take two ideas off this page. And here's a question I can ask my child about, Does you know, why does math have a biblical worldview? And then there'll be exercises according to the age that you can talk to them about. The other thing I love, there are two other things I love about the curriculum, and then we'll move on, is the fact that um, the videos are all done, you know, from a biblical perspective. They put so much time into their videos, and their videos that are available for every grade and every subject with the exception of a very few. And so if they're if they're grades or courses you don't want to teach or feel ill-equipped to teach, then you've got a video you can put in, your kids can watch, you can watch with them. You're still in charge of the education, but you're not having to become the expert in that subject. So I love that that's available. And um and I love that the curriculum goes a step beyond and there'll be discussions like how can I use if I'm a math major or how can I use math to serve my neighbor so I mean it really brings us back to the fact that some of us are engineers some of us are artists some of us are writers all of us are moms and how do we use the native skills God has given us to serve our neighbor and glorify him and so I, I just, I love the fact that they go beyond the academics and say, now, how can we serve our, our neighbor as an engineer? How can we serve our neighbor as a six-year-old with this math concept? I mean, I just love it. I just think it's powerful stuff. So, yeah. And that goes back to what we were talking about with Garrett yesterday in the opening session is living on purpose, helping our kids to understand what their purpose is in life, us understanding what our purpose is in life, using the gifts and talents that God's given us to pursue those things so that we can go out and have revival. I mean, that's what yes. we're talking about, right? It's changing, changing the world around us. And, you know, I, I just, we, I think we have so much more influence than we think we have. Yes. Because we feel like day to day as parents, we're just kind of in the mundane of doing the things that we do. And we feel sometimes like we're not making a difference. We feel like you know, all we're doing is changing diapers and wiping, you know, dirty faces from spaghetti sauce and and doing just the kind of what might seem like um, an important work in our everyday lives. And in reality, we're raising the next generation of Jesus-believing leaders, whatever it is that that looks like. And it doesn't mean that they have to go off and be the president. They might be a manager at Chick-fil-A. And you know what? They can show Jesus and be just as much of a witness and change lives at Chick-fil-A than they can, you know, sitting in the White House. Yes, that's exactly right. I mean, I think that's the beauty. And, and nurturing, I just want to say this, that nurturing and loving is kingdom building work. I mean, I think about Jesus's last conversation with Peter on the beach after Peter's denied him three times. And this is, you know, in my last conversation with my children before I die, I'm going to tell them what's on my heart you know, and, and, um, and so, you know, so they have this conversation now. I think Jesus has already risen at this point, but he says, Peter, do you love me? Yes, I love you. Feed my sheep, my sheep, tend my lambs. You know, everything, 
Jesus was telling Peter to do was about nurturing and caring for people. And so, you know, I don't think we have to go further than that than to say, you know, nurturing. When we're nurturing, we're about the Father's business. Right, right. Amen. And there's no greater calling than doing just that. Our work is so important as moms and dads to nurture the hearts of our kids. It's a great calling. It's the greatest calling, um, I think, on the planet. You know, Yvette, I, I just, this this blew my mind away. I was um, interviewing Mike Donnelly, who used to be an attorney at uh, HSLDA on my podcast. And he had this quote in one of his topic descriptions. And it was when Mother Teresa was winning the Nobel Peace Prize. Somebody said to her, what can we do to promote world peace? She said, go home and love your family. You want to promote world peace? Go home and love your family. And you know, it's not that every child who grows up in a loving home becomes a loving person. We know that. There are kids who rebel. Uh, But if every family went home and loved their kids, can you imagine the, the lessening in violence we would have in this culture? I mean, when, you know, we remove prayer from the public square and God's word from the public square and we try to kick God out of the public square, although he's not going to be kicked out. We just, you know, we just think we kick him out. Um, but you see what happens in culture. Uh, Chuck Colson, I, I was hearing, I was listening to him speak before he died. And he, he was touring Chicago schools with the superintendent who was bragging about taking the Ten Commandments off the wall and then complaining about student-on-student crime. And Colson says, you, you remove the rules, you take the principles off the wall, you know, we're going to all fall apart. Um, but that's such an important point. As you look at our society today and people are scratching their heads and they're like, why? Why is this happening? Why is our world where it is today? Why is crime the way it is? Why are people so lost? And it's because of exactly that. We've, We've taken God. God. Yeah. We've taken him out of everything. Yeah. And and. Man, it's time to bring him back. It is time for revival. It is time for people to realize their desperate need for Jesus as their Savior. And for us who are believers, who are Christians, who know the power of God and the grace of God and the mercy of God, it's time for us to get up and go tell people, you know, go shout it from the rooftops and tell people. And we have so many opportunities to do that as homeschool moms. If you go to a park during the day and you see another mom whose kids are there, it's likely that she's homeschooling her kids. Go up to that mom, strike up a conversation with her and ask her, what is your worldview? Tell me about you. Tell me about your family and and just get to know her and take opportunities, create opportunities. They're there to tell others about Jesus because they're, God is on the throne and So many people don't know it. So many people are just lost and they don't know what they don't know. And so it's our job to tell them to be that voice for the Lord and to allow the Lord to use us uh, to be an encouragement to those people. So, you know, one of the things I love, and we're just talking about the importance of preparing our children at home, urging them toward God, teaching them character, teaching, teaching them all the things we teach them and nurturing them. Corey Ten Boone said, that heaven is a place is a prepared place for a prepared people. And, you know, we are preparing our kids for life here, but we're also preparing them for eternal life. And, you know, what we do here 
echoes in eternity. Man, if I didn't believe that, I could not, you know, I couldn't have made it through those 21 years of homeschooling. Yeah, yeah. Yep, no, no, we can't. We need the the Lord uh, to help us through this. And he will. He equips us and we're still going to mess it up and we're still going to fail because we're sinful people. But he's going to get us through this time. And I'm so grateful um, that we have Jesus on our side, that we're on his side. I shouldn't say he's on our side. We're not the leaders of this team. We're on team Jesus. <laughs> he, right. he, he's the team captain. <laughs> we're just following right. behind he, him. He is the captain. Amen. Amen. Oh, man. Amen. And, you know, I loved what you and Garrett talked about yesterday. Just pick up the Bible and read it. Yes, You know, absolutely. that sounds so simple, but that's so easy to get squeezed out of your day, just like ser- service, which I think is so important in the home, the community. And, you know, it's, it's really easy to let the tyranny of the urgent rob us of those really important things. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. So oh, what we're going to... And Christy, go I thought Christy talked about your knees should be dirty. You know, as a yes, homeschool mom, right. you should, I love that. Christy, Me too. Over, you should have dirty knees. So yep. we need to be praying and that old song, read your Bible, pray every day and you'll grow, grow, grow. True yeah. for us, true, true for our kids. <laughs> Amen. That's such a sweet little song. I never learned that in Sunday school growing up. Um, I learned that when, I think when Brooklyn was little and I was like, oh, what a fun song. I, I It's so sweet. But yes, read your Bible, open up God's word with your kids. It will never return void. So um, thank you. Oh, and the, I love this comment. And I don't know if you saw that just pop up, Zan. It says, thank you for all you've done for homeschool in South Carolina. Yes, Zan has done amazing things um, to bring freedom, not just to South Carolina, but literally to the whole nation for homeschooling. So Zan, we are so thankful for you. If you've not yet watched the movie Schoolhouse Rocked, The Homeschool Revolution, Zan has a huge part in that movie. And she really tells her story about being threatened with jail time and how she and her family got through that whole time and kind of what the end result was. And it's an incredible story. And so that that's not what the whole movie is about, but that's a really important part of the movie. So if you haven't watched the movie yet, you can watch it for free. You guys go to schoolhouserockedmovie.com. You can watch the entire film for free, share it with your friends. You will be so very blessed by that film. I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Yvette. Remember to check out her podcast called Schoolhouse Rocked wherever you get your podcast. And if you go to homegrowngeneration.com and use coupon code ZAN, Z-A-N, you can save 25% on registration, which includes lifetime access to all of the sessions from the 2023 conference and bonus access to the 2020 conference, over 55 hours of homeschooling encouragement and resources. And of course, remember to subscribe to this podcast and follow us on social media. Until next time, bye.